Let's get pumped. Come on. Let's go. All right. I'm ready to preach tonight. There's a good chance that this sermon will be shorter than usual. So praise the Lamb for that. There's a good chance. But if the Spirit shows up, we might be here for three hours. So I'm kidding. I'm kidding. All right. So tonight we're going to be in Luke chapter 14. So you want to turn there? Uh, you can turn there now. So I want to ask you a question tonight. I want to ask you this. So your first weekend in college, what was that like for you? The very first weekend you came to you and I, or maybe you started somewhere else, what was that very first weekend like? For me, I had an interesting experience that first weekend. See, about a month before I came to college, there was a really life-changing experience I had. I became truly a follower of Jesus. And before that, I had been in the church and was probably saved, I think, but I had had really given my heart to Jesus on July 23rd of 2011, just a month before I came to campus. And before I gave my life to Jesus, my life was pretty much characterized by partying, just hanging out with girls, and partying and hanging out with girls. That was my life. And then I go to youth group on Sundays, because it's cool to do that, right? But uh, no, it's not. But anyways, so Jesus met me in a big way, and I came to college, I came to you and I, and my perspective of you and I was that it's just going to be off party years. Like, everyone's just going to go crazy, and... I'm trying to get out of that lifestyle, so how am I going to fit in? How am I going to find friends? And that first weekend was tough for me. I knew that I would be a part of Chi Alpha because I had met the pastor. He asked me to play drums. Back then, we had like six people in Chi Alpha. So, uh, yeah, so I was one of them. But anyways, he asked me to play drums. But uh, So I knew that, but, the, but I hadn't met anyone yet those first couple of days. So on Saturday night of that very first weekend, it sounds really cheesy to say, but I saw it just up in my loft and nor in second floor and cried. I literally cried as an 18-year-old man because I wanted to follow Jesus, but I was worried that I wouldn't have any people to encourage me because I knew that alone I wouldn't be able to do the things that I wanted to do. I knew alone that I would not be able to get out of the party scene. So I knew that I needed those people. And on Sunday, something profound happened. There was this introductory meeting at the church for people who were interested in Chi Alpha. We had pizza. There was like six of us there, like I said. And at that meeting, I began to feel like I belonged somewhere. I didn't really know the people that well, but I felt like I belonged. I felt like there was something, there was a purpose for me being at UNI and that there was a calling for me through Chi Alpha. And I'm still here 60 years later. So that feeling of belonging has power. It has so much power. It can change people's lives. So here at Chi Alpha, my prayer is that each person who comes here would feel like they belong. And here's the reality. Like everyone here is not a Christian tonight. That's just the truth. But I still pray that if you're not a follower of Jesus, that, that you would still feel like you belong here. Now we might disagree about some things. We might have to just have some conversations about what the scriptures say and things like that. But I pray that you would feel like you belong. My belief is that before people become something or before they believe something, they have to belong somewhere. So I pray that you would belong in this place. And that you would go on a journey. You don't have to put your faith in Jesus tonight. You don't have to do it in six months. You don't have to do it during your college career. I pray that you would. But I want you to know that you can journey with us. Because my prayer for this group is that this would be a welcoming community. So two weeks ago, I did a survey with our small group leaders and our staff that are alumni. And I asked them, I said, what made you keep coming back to Chi Alpha? I was expecting for them to say, you're awesome preaching. But that wasn't said. I was expecting maybe the worship would get people to come back. I think worship can get people to come back like twice. You know, music's amazing, but it's not going to keep people coming to something. Ultimately, if you want, you can go on Spotify and download Hillsong United and listen to it in your own room. That's probably not going to keep you coming back. 
the thing that kept people coming back, 15 out of 17 people said the community, or someone reached out to them, someone took them to coffee, someone showed them that they loved them. That's incredible. 15 out of 17 people. The other people, I don't remember what they said, but 15 out of 17 people said that I came back because one, I connected with someone, or two, I felt like I belonged and I felt like I was needed in this community. I felt like I was wanted here. So the reason that each week we say welcome home, it sounds a little bit cheesy, I'll admit it, but it's because we want you to feel like you're at home when you're here. Because at home, if you have a good home, you should feel like, like you can be yourself. You, you feel like this is the true me. Like there's this feeling when I get home at night and I'm like, I can just sprawl out on the couch, chill out, just hang out with my wife. There's just this feeling of I can just be myself here. And I try to be myself everywhere, but, but it can be hard. So I feel like when you come into Kai Alpha on Tuesday nights, I, I pray that you would come in and you go, I'm home. These people love me. These people know me. These people know my story. They know like, the things I'm going through, and they know all the junk in my life too, but at the same time, they love me. That's my prayer. My prayer is that each of us could look at each other and say, hey, I fully know you, and at the same time, I truly love you. Pray that that would be this community. So tonight's uh, sermon is going to be entitled A Welcoming Community. And with that said, we're continuing our series called Together. So last week, we um, casted a little uh, vision of what God wants for us as a community. Uh, This whole series is just about our community. So last week, it was kind of a bird's eye view of what do we want our community to be. And I casted vision and said, hey, let's have four commitments as a community, like four core commitments. So the first commitment was, let's be committed to the Word of God. Because we need something to base our ministry off of. We can't just do what we feel like. We can't just do what we want to do. We have to do what the Word of God says. So we looked at the Word of God and saw the blueprint that the Word of God has for, for biblical community. The second thing I want to commit to is to commit to the people of God. So there's something in Scripture, God calls you to love all people, but there's supposed to be a profound love between followers of Jesus. There's times that uh, the writers of the scriptures will use this word brothers or say brothers and sisters. When they're saying that, they're referring to the church. They're saying inside the church, there should be this unstoppable love between people. It should be so committed, this committed love. So the second thing that as a community we want to be committed to is the people of God, to each other. The third thing is the Spirit of God. So we believe that the Holy Spirit moves today. We believe that the Spirit of God wants to show up on Tuesday nights and reveal himself. So we're committed to the Spirit of God. Fourth thing is the mission of God. So that's people outside of this room. We want to go on mission to tell people just how much Jesus loves them. So like I said, tonight we're in Luke chapter 14 and we're in verses 12 and 14. And I want to say, or 12 through 14, but I want to say if you're new tonight, we're glad you're here. If you're returning, we're glad you're here. It makes us feel good when you come back. When you don't come back, I'm like, crap. What did I say in that sermon? (laughs) I'm kidding. But it feels good that you're here, and I'm happy you're here, and I pray that, that the experience that I talked about where you feel like you belong, I pray that that would truly happen in this place. So just a little bit of background about this uh, story here in Luke 14. Jesus is telling a parable. So parables are fictional stories that uh, Jesus will tell to, or to make a point, okay? And in this particular parable, Jesus is trying to make the point that as the people of God, we should do good for those who are needy and do good for those who cannot give us anything in return. See, the worldly mindset says, I'm going to do stuff when I can get something in return for it. But the Jesus mindset is I'm going to do things for people even when they can't do anything back for me. So that's what Jesus is trying to get at here. Let's read the verses. It says this. He said also to the man who had invited him, so he's telling a story. He says, when you give a dinner... Or a banquet, do not invite your friends 
or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors, um, or lest they also invite you in return, and then you be repaid. But instead, when you give a feast, invite the poor, invite the crippled, invite the lame, invite the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. It's a powerful call right there. It's a challenging call. So the main idea tonight is this, if you're taking notes. So we're called to follow Jesus together while continually welcoming others into our community. Let's pray over that tonight. You can write it down as I'm praying. God, I thank you for your presence. Thank you for your spirit, God. I thank you that your spirit unites us together, even if we're different from each other. God, I pray that when people describe Chi Alpha, that they would say that that's the most welcoming community on this campus by a long shot. They're so welcoming because they're fueled by the love of Christ. I pray that that would be what is said about our group. And I pray tonight as we look in your scriptures that you would just speak to us. So Spirit of God, I give you permission to say what you want to say and not what I want to say. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so there's going to be three points tonight, and we're kind of going on a journey. So just follow me along on these points. The first point is this. Is we are tempted to be inward-focused and self-centered. We're tempted to be inward-focused and self-centered. The temptation for every single human being is to focus on yourself. We're tempted to, or to just worry about our own needs and what we want and not to worry about the people around us. And there's many of us who struggle with thinking that the world revolves around us, and that's me included, okay? So I'm not condemning you. Me too, I struggle with that. We have social media platforms, like five, that are all about us. Facebook, like what's my favorite movies? What's my favorite this? I don't know if they do that anymore, but, but seriously, we go down and talk about ourselves line after line after line, and we want everyone to look at it. We have Twitter where we tweet all the time what we're thinking every single moment. Does anyone actually care what you're thinking? I don't know. Maybe, if you're really cool. We have you know, Snapchat. We make stories. This is what I'm doing right now. This is what I'm doing right now. I do all those things. I love Facebook, Snapchat, all that. It's fun, so I'm not condemning that, but I'm saying, hey, we might think the world revolves around us a little bit. Like People actually care about our story. That's why nobody posts in the Facebook story. Has anyone seen that up there? Nobody's posting it. Let's do it tonight. Let's all do a Facebook story. Let's just make things go crazy. So we're like, what happened at Chi Alpha tonight? I'm not condemning social media, but I am saying it might be an indicator about just how self-centered the people in this world can be. So the very first family that God created in the scriptures or in, or in history experienced the catastrophic effects that selfishness can have. So Adam and Eve had these two sons, Cain and Abel. That just that sounds so cool, Cain and Abel. Those are cool names. These were their sons, and Cain was jealous of his brother Abel because Abel had favor with God. He was jealous, so he took matters into his own hands. Genesis 4, verses 8 and 9. It's right at the very beginning of time. It says this, Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel, your brother. And he said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? What a smart aleck. You just killed your brother and you're asking that question. All right. So you can hear that question ringing throughout history. Am I my brother's keeper? Or as we would say, it's not my problem. It doesn't affect me. Why should I care if it doesn't affect us? Selfishness rears its ugly head in in many different ways. I feel like it's a root of a lot of sins. It, it comes out when we become inward focused and, and refuse to get uncomfortable to make someone else feel loved. It comes out when we refuse to sacrifice our time and our, 
energy for other people. It comes out when we're greedy and refuse to be generous to take care of the needs of people around us. It comes out in our pride. It comes out in strife when we argue with one another. It comes out in jealousy like it did for Cain. It comes out in narcissism. It comes out when we're not being, or being welcoming to others and instead just stick to our own people. Selfishness is the root of so many sins. And one that actually really applies to us as a ministry is it can cause us to become inward focused and just focus on the people in this room and have a rah-rah Jesus club on Tuesday nights. Or to focus on a particular group. Maybe you have like your own clique within this room. It can cause us to do that. But Jesus says we have to refuse this. In verse 12, he says, or he says, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. So he says, if you're going to have a party, Jesus says, do not just invite your friends who can repay you. Don't just give in to the selfish desire to have a party for your own interest, but instead invite everyone. Invite people to come and be a part. So we all struggle with selfishness. We struggle with just wanting to invite people to our parties who are fun. Like you're thinking, who's going to be the fun person? The, like the funny guy. I'm going to invite him. But the person who maybe is really awkward to talk to, we've all experienced that. Like you can't really get going in a conversation. I don't want to invite them because that's going to take too much work. But Jesus calls us to, to refuse that mentality. And we want to get past this selfishness, then it starts with acknowledging it. We have to acknowledge each of us are selfish in this room. Each of us are selfish. We have to acknowledge that and repent of it tonight. I pray that we would do that. I pray that we'd at least admit, yeah, I'm pretty selfish. And I think in that space, when we admit just that we're missing the mark, I think God can really do an incredible thing. All right, so we've established that each of us are selfish. Fun message, right? All right, it does get better. Okay, so the second point is this. The call of the Christ follower is to be outward focused and others centered and welcoming all, even when they cannot give us something in return. That's the call of the Christ follower. In the story of Cain and Abel, Cain famously says, Am I my brother's keeper? And to the natural person, this is fair. This is a fair question. Am I really supposed to be responsible for other people? Is it really my job to take care of others? God helps those who help themselves, right? That's in the Bible, right? It's in there somewhere. No, it's not. It's not there. God helps the helpless. God helps the helpless. In Romans chapter 5, verse 6, it says, For while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. When you were helpless, when, or when you were unable to save yourself, Christ died died for the ungodly. He died for you when you could not do anything to get out of your sins. And he enabled you to have freedom from your sin and to have forgiveness from your sin. That's amazing. So Jesus did that for us. So to answer the question, am I my brother's keeper? If you're a follower of Jesus, then yes, you are your brother's keeper. You are your sister's keeper. You are called to care. You're called to lay down your life for other people. You are called to give to those who can't give you anything in return. I love the way the Apostle John says it. And this guy's feisty, okay? So just get ready. We're going to read some verses. He's a feisty dude. He says this, For this is the message that you have heard from the, or from the, or from the beginning, that, or that we should love one another. And we should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one, and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised brothers, that the world hates you. And we know that, that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. That's how we know that 
know that we're saved. If we love each other, that's how you know that you're saved. The love of Christ will compel you to be different. And whoever does not love abides in death. And everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that there's no murderer who has eternal life abiding in him. Get this verse. This is like just as good as John 3.16, but it's 1 John 3.16. It says, By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? How does God's love abide in you if you do not take care of the needs of those around you, if you claim to have been bought with a huge price of the cross? How can you claim to be a follower of Jesus? How can you claim to be a follower of Jesus if you don't love those around you? He says, little children, let us not just love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. This is the call of the Christian. We're called to love each other. We're called to forsake the way of Cain, who killed his brother, and instead pursue the way of Jesus who gave himself up to be killed for his brothers and sisters. Our call is to love. Our call is not to hate. Our call is to lay down our own desires for the hope of the world and to put others before ourselves. We're called to open our hearts for other people. We're called to open ourselves up. Some of you are closed off to other people. You can't do that and call yourself a follower of Jesus. You have to open up your heart to others. You have to allow other people and you have to love others. Tonight, And maybe some hurt has caused you to do that. Maybe people have hurt you. And I want to encourage you tonight. Jesus was willing to be hurt in the worst of ways for you. You can put yourself out there again. You can open your heart again. Christ calls us to do that. The only way to respond to Christ's love is to be outward focused and to be other centered. We're called to center our lives on two great commandments. Someone asked Jesus, they said, hey, what are the greatest commandments? And Jesus said, first thing is love the Lord your God with all your heart in all your mind and all your soul. Second thing is to love your neighbor as yourself. We're called to center, wow, ourselves on love for God and for people. We're called to center ourselves on that. So that should be what we do as a ministry. That should be what we do as Christ followers. Verse 13 and 14 of our passage tonight says, but, but when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you powerful. So when we have a party, which is every Tuesday, this should be a party, okay? So Nava's trying to get you guys going, and you're all like, man, come on. Get going in this place. I know you're tired. I'm tired, but let's go. I don't care if it's October 24th. I don't care if it's like freezing outside. Get excited. This should be a party. So when you're having a party, which is every Tuesday, and you don't even have to plan it. Like, I plan the party for the most part. So you don't have to plan the party. Just show up and bring people, okay? <laughs> so anyways, what I'm trying to say is when you have a party, invite people Invite people to join you. And when they come, they better know that you actually want them here. So don't invite someone in your class and then like hide from them because you want to talk to your friends. No, when someone comes here because someone invited them, it's a huge thing to do. That's a big step of faith to show up to some place with a bunch of Christians. Who knows what those people are like? And then to sit through worship, which can be uncomfortable if you're not a follower of Jesus, and then to listen to me talk at them, that's a big thing to do. So if someone does that, you better show them some love, okay? Because it's a hard thing to do to come to a place like this when you don't know anything about it. So God calls us as the followers of Jesus, as Christians, to show his love to other people. We should be the most loving group on campus. So Luke chapter 6, verse 32 says this. I'm just saying tonight, Jesus is rebuking me. He's rebuking you. He's rebuking all of us. Let's go. Verse 32. He says, if you love those who love you, then what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. Mm. Come on, Jesus. Preaching to me right now. 
All right, so the other week when I asked the small group leaders, I said, hey, you know, why did you keep coming back to Chi Alpha? Emily Johanning Meyer, where she's at right there, she had a pretty profound answer. There are some other reasons why, but, but the biggest reason why she came back was because there was this small group leader named Emily as well. I feel like we have a billion of them. Emily Bickney's, and now Emily Steen because she's married. Um, she graduated. But, so Emily would go for lunch with her once a week and just hang out with her every week. They just met each other, and she just began to, to just grab lunch with her every week. And through that love that Emily Bickney's gave Emily Johanny Meyer, that compelled Emily to jump into our community. I pray that when people come here for the first time that you say, hey, I'm buying you coffee. It's like $1.50 or $1.80 or something. You can buy someone coffee, okay? I try to do it. I can't buy everyone coffee, okay? So let's buy people coffee. If they don't like coffee, buy them hot chocolate. If it's, or if it's 90 degrees outside, I don't know, get them a water. I've had a few of those. <laughs> All right, so how does this call to be outward focused and other centered tease itself out in your own life? So specifically for you. So let's just take Kyle out of it for your life. I think there's a few ways it teases itself out. I think one thing is, I think God calls us to walk into every situation with an open heart and to look to encourage people. So if you're going to the grocery store, if you're going to the coffee shop, if you're going to class, whatever, to say, God, can I encourage someone here today? And maybe that's just a smile and say, hey, how are you doing? Like with a genuine ask, not just, hey, what's up? I don't really care what you're going to say. No, and said, hey, how are you doing? Like, how's it going today? And to genuinely care about them. Like, ask them what their major is, whatever. Care about people. Walk into situations and look for opportunities to encourage people. Second thing is, be willing to do things that you don't want to do. I don't want to do that. Why would I do that if I don't want to do that? That's the mindset of our generation at times. That can be the mindset of us. Like, oh, if that doesn't, like, fuel my passion, then I really don't want to do it. Like, I just want to do the things that are fun. And our parents did not do everything perfect, but I think one thing that they did pretty well is they did things that they didn't want to do. And there's things we do well that they don't do very well. But I think we should learn from the, older, or from the older generation and say, hey, let's just do things because God calls me to do them. So that looks like a few different things. It could be talking with a friend late into the night, even when you have a test, and be like, hey, this friend's uh, situation is more important than this test. Now, for me, I never did that because I was like a study freak. So I'm not, I'm not saying that I've done all this. I'm just saying that I've I really wish I would have did it differently. That could be coming early to Chi Alpha to, or to set up. I know that's not fun. Like, like me and Victor every week right here, we set up this light and we do it with joy. It's fun. And we have bro time up there sometimes. See, if you come, you might get bro time. It's fun. It could be giving of your finances to help those around the world. There's so many organizations you can give to. There's, uh, there's different, organs, or different organizations that go and fight sex trafficking. You can give towards those who can give towards gospel causes around the world. You can help push back the darkness with your finances. And you may say, hey, I think someone told me before service, I have $36 in my checking account. I'm like, that really stinks. I don't miss those days. But uh, give $1, okay? Give $1. And the third thing I think we can do, so the first thing was encourage people to look for opportunities. The second thing was to do things you don't want to do. The third thing is pray for people. If all your prayers were answered, would it actually affect anyone's life around you? Sometimes I'm guilty, like, praying all the stuff I want to pray, like, Lord, just do this for me. Like, I'm feeling a cupcake. Bring me a cupcake later. No, I'm kidding. I don't pray that. But <laughs> praying, hey, will Emily let me go out to eat tonight? No. Okay, so anyway, it, it can be very self-centered. Pray for other people. Put people in your journal. Put people in the back of your Bible that you're praying for and pray for them every day. All right, so how does this tease itself out in our community? As a community, how can we do this? I think, 
I said this a few times, but I think God is calling us to be the most loving place on campus, to be the most loving people on campus. We need to love others relentlessly. And no matter their struggle or their background, we must love with a committed love that says, I'm not giving up on you. And we don't love people just because they agree with us or because they're Christians, but instead we love people because Jesus loved us, and that causes us to love people. And also this causes us to reach out to those who can't give us anything in return. So go to the dining center and say, hey, I'm not going to sit with my friends today, but I'm going to sit with that dude that sits by himself every single meal. And I was one of those guys just because I wanted to sit by myself, so maybe they won't appreciate that, but just go for it, okay? Like everyone can use just one nice conversation at dinner. I think something else we need to do is uh, when people visit our community, I think we need to actually engage those people with a welcoming spirit and to look them in the eyes and to tell them that we're so glad they're here and, and to listen to them talk. Because some of us talk too much. Like, you know who you are. I'm looking at you. I'm kidding. I'm not looking at anyone. <laughs> Someone thinks I'm looking at them over there, but I wasn't. I was looking at Brian. He doesn't talk that much. But anyways, so uh, but some of us talk too much. And sometimes you just need to listen. It's a good thing to do. That's a good, that's a good trait to have. It's a good thing to just listen to other people. And like I said, we need to take people out, buy them coffee, buy them food. We need to be generous as a community. And we also need to invite people on our floors to Kyle on Tuesday nights, invite people to small groups. Some of you have a small group and it's been the same few people all semester. Try something out and go and invite people on the floor. They might come. There's some crazy people out there that actually want to go to stuff when they're invited by a stranger. They're few and far between, but they're out there. So go try it. All right, so this sounds amazing, right? This sounds idealistic. Like, this is incredible. We're doing it. We're doing this welcoming thing that Christ calls us to, right? But, our, but the natural tendency for all of us uh, with any kind of sin is to slip back into that sin. The tendency is to say, hey, I'm welcoming people for three days, feeling really good. Oh, a test came. Back over here. I feel like that's kind of our spiritual journey sometimes. We're like taking three steps here. Oh, I'm going back, going back. But the thing that can keep us in this posture of just welcoming people, is Christ. It's to remember his love for us. So the third point tonight is this. Christ, or Jesus, the one who loved us when we weren't lovely, is our example and our motivation. He is the only thing that can keep you going. If you say, i got to pull up my bootstraps and just do better at this, you're going to give up in like a week. But if you allow the love of Christ to permeate your heart on a daily basis in the scriptures and in prayer, that can fuel you to go out and love people. I can feel you to do that. So if you need help in going from being self-centered to other-centered, if you need help from going from inward-focused to welcoming, then look no further than to Christ. His example of humility and sacrifice is what motivates us. And in 2 Corinthians 5, Paul says that Christ's love is what compels us. Christ's love should compel us to be different and to love those who we cross our paths with. Those we cross paths with. So Philippians 2, verses 3 through 8. This is amazing. So please, don't just sleep. This is really good. Read this in your heart. Get it. It says this. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Okay, this is where it gets really mind-boggling. Are you excited? Are you ready? All right, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So Christ, who is equal to God, 
did not count his equality with God a thing to be grasped. He didn't count that as something to be grasped. But he humbled himself. Jesus, who's been with God for all of eternity, the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, enjoying intimate community for all of eternity, he says, I'm not going to count my equality with God a thing to be grasped, but instead, I'm going to humble myself to the point of being put on a cross so that you and I might live. Jesus said, I'm going to put myself on a cross to save people who don't even love me. Like the people of Israel at the time were not loving God very well. But Jesus said, I'm going to come and die so that I can set their hearts on fire with my love and change them, transform them. He said, I'm going to take a heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. Because the Israelites, if you know the story of the Old Testament, they're called over and over again to come back to God. You can read the stories of the prophets. Over and over again, they're saying, come back to God. And they keep saying, no, we're going to do things our own way. We're going to build little, uh, just or different idols to worship, like little calves and stuff. They're crazy. Like there's a God who's been doing crazy stuff, burning bushes. There's Red Seas parting, crazy things happening. And then they're bowing down to golden calves, okay? This is what the Israelite people are doing. They continue to reject God. They continue to, or to rebel against him. But Jesus says, despite the rebellion, I'm going to become a servant. And I'm going to serve them. I'm going to love them. And through my love, I think I might just change them. And that's what's happened in the Christian church. Jesus changed the Jewish people. He changed them. And there's a group of them who came out of that and started what we're a part of today. Isn't that amazing? And then it extended not just from the Jews. It's not just for the Jews, but it's for the Gentiles. It's for the others. It's for those who aren't the people of God. The Gentiles in the Old Testament are not the people of God. But those people were so compelled by Christ's love that they went out and said, we're going to take this message to the whole world. Through the cross, not just Jews, but every tribe, tongue, and nation can come to know Jesus. And now Christianity is on every continent. It's rising in Africa. It's, it's rising in Asia. It's dominated Europe and North America over the last couple hundred years. Now it's going down a bit in those areas, which we need to step up our game. Come on. But it's rising in these other places. Christianity works on every continent. It works in every tribe. It works in every tongue. And it works in every culture. So Jesus, when he came on the cross, he broke down the dividing wall of hostility. He broke that down. He said, it's not just for Jews, but it's also for Gentiles. And now today, we are called to not just be about ourselves, but to be about the people outside these walls. Christ calls us to follow his model and say, I'm going to humble myself to the point of a servant to see those who do not know Jesus come to him. That's the call. And I think if we can get that, something supernatural will begin to happen on our campus. So one of my heroes in the faith is a missionary. His name was Jim Elliott. And he was around in the 50s. And this was a young man who had this dream of reaching the unreached peoples in Ecuador. In particular, he wanted to reach these people called the Hiranis. I have a tough time saying that word. I still don't know if that's right. But anyways, these people had just no understanding of the gospel. They had no understanding of Jesus. And actually, these people, their practice was if you were an outsider, they were going to kill you. Okay, so not very welcoming. So Jim and his, and his missionary friends begin to work to try to make contact with them so that they can share the love of Jesus with them. And when they make contact with these people, they are greeted with being killed, all four of them, killed in cold blood by these people who they're trying to share the love of Jesus with. And then his wife was actually able to continue his efforts, and, and many of them came to know Jesus through, through the love of his wife who forgave them even after... They killed her husband. And many of them came to know Jesus. And something profound Jim wrote in his journal in the 1940s. He said this. He said, He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. So he's saying, you are no fool if you give up your life so that others can find life. Jim's death led to their life. 
So I don't know if Jesus is calling any of us to give up our natural lives or to give up our, our lives on this earth, but he's calling us to give up our desires. He's calling us to say, I'm going to die to myself. I'm going to die to my selfish desires so that other people can find the love of Christ. There are people that God is going to call you to love that are going to be very, very difficult on this campus. It doesn't matter how many times you try to show them the love of Jesus, they'll continue to say, no, I don't want to believe that. That's not for me. But Christ calls you to continue to love them, not for them to be a project that you're like, hey, I need to convert them, but instead just to be their friend and continue to love them, continue to show them Christ's love, even if they never turn to Jesus, even if they never turn to Jesus. And Ezekiel, God called Ezekiel the prophet to preach to the Israelites, so these people who were rebellious, and he told them they will not repent. Like, you're going to preach to them for years and years and years, and they won't turn around. They're going to continue to rebel against me, but because I love them, I want to send them a messenger, and I've chosen you to do it. So God may call you to reach out to people over and over and over and over again, and nobody might get saved. There could be no one who gets saved, but you've done your job if you continue to love people with the love of Christ. That's what the gospel should compel you to do. Jesus is your motivation. Your motivation. Jesus is your example. Jesus is why we do what we do. Jesus is why we love those who are different than us. So I pray that as a group we take up that call tonight. If the worship team could come up. We're going to close here. As a community, we need to do whatever it takes for others to feel loved. And I believe this. I believe alone, if you're by yourself trying to do this, then it's going to be hard to make a big difference on the campus. You might impact a few people. I believe that you can do that. But I think together, locked arm in arm, we can really, really bring the love of Jesus to this campus. I really believe we can. And that's what the whole series is about, being together, being in this together. So the main idea tonight, again, is this. We are called to follow Jesus together while continually welcoming others into our community. You're called to follow Jesus together. It's not something you can do on your own, while continually welcoming others into our community. Some of you came here tonight for the very first time, or maybe the second time, or the third time, and maybe you are, are all, you're already following Jesus, like you're already a Christian, you prayed a prayer at some point in youth group or whatever, and you are following Jesus, but you have yet to jump into a community. I want to challenge you tonight. I pray that tonight that you'd be compelled to jump into a community, whether that be here or somewhere else. You can go to Salt Company, you can go to Navigators, you can go to Basic, whatever, but go somewhere. Jump into a community where you can be encouraged. Actually, next week we'll talk about how we can't live the Christian life alone, how we need each other to, to challenge each other and to encourage each other. We're going to kind of dive into that, but I pray that you would choose to, to plug in and not just to show up once a month, not just be like, oh, I'll show up when I'm not busy, but instead to make it a priority, say, this is the top of my priority, not it's not about Kyle, it's not about getting your butts in the seats, it's not about that, but it's about your life. It's about you being who God's called you to be, and I believe you cannot be who God's called you to be unless you have other people around you encouraging you. I felt the force of that my first weekend at UNI. I tried, like, I was all by myself, and I was like, I cannot do this on my own. And some of you think you can do it on your own, but I pray tonight that you'd humble yourself like Jesus did and say, I can't do it on my own, and I need other people. So Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, and not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So do not neglect to meet together. Don't neglect the community of God. And there's others of you tonight who you're not following Jesus. You came here tonight, maybe check it out, maybe you've been around our community, but you're not actually following Jesus. And I pray tonight that Jesus' love for you when you weren't lovely would compel you to give everything to him, to, to put your faith in him and say, Jesus, I'm giving you it all. You gave everything for me, so I'm going to give everything for you. I'm just going to give you my life. Whatever you say, whatever this book tells me to do, I'm going to do it. This is going to be my guide. I'm going to submit to your word. I'm going to submit to your spirit, and I'm going to just allow you to lead me, guide me. 
Like when I felt the force of God's love in July of 2011, I said, God, I can't do anything but give my whole life for you. I said, God, like whatever you want me to do, whatever you want me to do, like I'll give up all the money, I'll give up anything, I'll give up girls, whatever. God, just whatever you want me to do, I'll do it because your love is worth it. And guys, as I've done that, I've found life. You find life at the end of yourself. That's the reality. The kingdom is an upside down kingdom. You find life when you give up your life. So I pray tonight that if you're not a follower of Jesus, that tonight that you would say, I'm going to put my faith in Jesus and accept his sacrifice for me on the cross. I pray that you would do that tonight. And finally, if you're, not a, or if you're a Christian tonight and you're part of this community, which is probably the majority of you, I pray that you would be compelled to be a person who welcomes the stranger, that strangers wouldn't scare you, that people who are different than you wouldn't scare you, but instead you'd say, I'm going to be motivated by the love of Christ to to go into situations, even when they're uncomfortable, and to bring Jesus' love with me. I pray that you'd be compelled to, to love people who don't even want to be loved. I pray that you'd be compelled to be like Jesus, who came out of the Trinity, came to earth, and lived on this earth so that he could save us. I pray that you would do that in this place. So if you'd stand with me tonight, we're going to pray.